chapter six of transition this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. transition by emma francis brooke chapter six that same summer a cab bearing honora and her boxes drew up before a dull-looking building in a london street honora had been appointed head assistant mistress to a small metropolitan high school and in the absence of the headmistress through illness it would be her duty to organize the work of the school honora winced when she beheld her future abode and descended from the cab with a pale face the door was opened by a brisk-looking maid who accosted the new arrival with the cheerful friendliness of a cockney servant honora slew her with a glance and when her boxes were heaped in the hall and the cabin had departed freezingly requested to be shown the way to the headmistress's rooms the two rooms reserved for the new mistress were not unpleasant apartments but they were small and there was nothing of what honora called scope in them the green drawing-room at least had been spacious but in the high school all the space had apparently been allotted to the innumerable insignificants who were called the students and she was tucked in anywhere afternoon tea was brought by the familiar handmaiden in cheap white ware that reminded honora of the midland railway and desolation deepened in her mind as she sat down to drink it then a further incident occurred which seemed broadly to illustrate her probable future hardly had she sipped the last drop of conju at one shilling and tenpence per pound than the door of the sitting-room burst open and the head of a keen-faced breathless-looking girl was thrust in the hat of this energetic stranger was dowdy her face plain and her hair tousled honora awaited an explanation with stony mien the girl did not appear to recognize that one was required miss kemble i believe she exclaimed may i ask if the hour for the first mathematical will be changed this honora afterwards discovered was the teacher of mathematics margaret henderson by name she was a cockney-born had been educated at university college and belonged in rank to the lower middle class in mathematics she had taken a good london degree and had a genius for imparting her knowledge when the energetic business conversation was concluded and she had gone honora pressed her hand first to her ear and then to her heart how am i to endure these persons she exclaimed a week's experience increased her loathing of the position she had to receive admonition and advice from a philistinic assemblage who were called the committee and who did not own a degree between them also she had to listen to the detailed anxieties of fussy middle-class parents who mostly used the cockney vowels and each one of whom had a separate fad about the instruction of her own particular lamb in the fold now to honora's eye all the lambs were so many heads of sheep but the new mistress had a glorious capacity for work 
and her university training had given her the instinct of thoroughness and finish in what she undertook the one thing honora would not do as long as health and strength were left her was to sit down and accept defeat in any situation whatever she owed it to her various grudges with life to succeed to turn even this sordid experience into an evidence of her mastery over circumstance and to keep these baying dogs of depressing misery at a distance from her something victorious and striking she must achieve even here before the first half-term had expired she discovered that she had succeeded in her aim the headmistress died and the committee so far signified their satisfaction with honora as to appoint her to the vacant place to herself however no weeks of her life had ever seemed so barren and fruitless in spite of her quick rise she felt herself to be the victim of necessity and injustice and though occupied from morning to night she hated the processes of her work or told herself that she did so and was indifferent to the results there was another thing which the experience of half a term made only too plain to honora the teachers at the high school did not offer her any of that agreeable incense to which she had been accustomed at girton they were all engrossed in their work and in their children and as soon as school hours were over they departed to their various homes in twos or threes their friendships and outside careers seemed to have been settled once for all before her arrival and to be carried on now without an attempt to include her in them it was in the middle of the first term of her experience as a mistress that honora kemble first learned the meaning of loneliness i am completely isolated said she one day to herself with a strange new pang and then she tried to say to herself that this was only evidence of her superiority to the commonplace surroundings at the moment the day's work being done she stood at the window watching the departure of the last teacher this was a girl of about twenty-three years old who had just left the house no sooner had she disappeared than honora sat down and thought about her loneliness had already made her acquainted with those spiritual companions who torment us with discipline the name of the girl was lucilla dennison she taught english economics history and so on she had taken a moral science degree and honora despised moral science she would not for the world have acknowledged that lucilla piqued and interested her there was nothing in the english teacher as the headmistress told herself over and over again to keep the mind on edge with expectation she had a slight figure and was of dark but not brunette colouring with cloudy dark hair grey eyes and a not too liberal tint in a rather spare thin cheek she appeared to possess a great force of work honora thought the teachers grovelled in work and had no aspiration and she spoke little that little being usually uttered in a soft quiet voice which honora's clear metallic tones could easily have overborne 
but there was something in her beyond quietude and silent energy there were moments when the girl's eyes disturbed honora with vague suggestions at others she thought she detected in them a faint light of sarcasm in short honora's estimate of lucilla's character was unwillingly a high one and yet this same lucilla appeared to have a particular friendliness for margaret henderson whose cockney accent and cheery good-fellowship of manner prevented honora from seeing anything in her save a sum of vulgarities one day a flood of light was thrown upon the estimate this world for which she had exchanged the academic elegance of girton held her in the occasion was some involuntary eavesdropping on her part she found herself on one side of a door that was ajar and which she believed separated her from an empty room but from the other side came voices and the first word she caught arrested her the proverb tells us that listeners never hear any good of themselves and they were indeed stinging sentences that crept straight to honora's ear through that distressful aperture you see you never can reckon on anything really sensible from miss kemble that was margaret henderson's voice leave her out of the reckoning then subtract her as a piece of absurdity from the sum of general conditions and have done with her it was lucilla dennison's dry quiet tone which pointed this ruthless brutality honora on hearing voices would at first have withdrawn but upon discovering that she herself was in question and that lucilla was one of the speakers she deliberately remained no one's interest save her own was betrayed by her doing so and only till this moment had she realized how she ached to know the estimate in which lucilla held her and to learn the causes that were driving her into isolation this isolation though flattering to her pride on one reading was always open to another less comforting interpretation i could do that replied miss henderson if my own interest only were in question but flora you see has distinctly deteriorated during this term honora believed that one of the heads of sheep was referred to you observe continued miss henderson in the particularly broad cockney by which she signalized emotion how very little originality miss kemble is putting into her estimate of the scope of the work she hangs by routine in a way that is simply paralyzing the school will die under it the younger children are already flagging flory particularly she misses miss forbes miss forbes was unwearying in her personal influence over the children and in the variety of her resources miss forbes was honora recalled the late headmistress oh yes of course that is the exasperating the serious part of the matter if it were not for the loss to the children and to the school i should find miss kemble rather an interesting study of the grotesque the elder girls are better off returned miss henderson they don't need the same kind of personal attention or care not so much at least but even there miss henderson left an expressive blank honora felt though she could not see the shrug of the shoulders that supplied it 
i am afraid assented lucilla that it is rather hopeless work all round the long and the short of it is continued miss henderson briskly and with a quite desperate access of cockney that we have a stick of sealing wax at the head of affairs instead of a comfortable woman and you and i between us cannot keep the school up to its former mark no not with the best will said lucilla considering the amount of routine work we have to get through i never saw anything she added slowly and deliberately honora stood with suspended breath waiting on lucilla's merciless tones quite so silly and so inadequate as miss kemble honora turned away and fled with silent winged feet to take refuge in her own room the conversation was privileged of course but every word was a corroding shaft in that most sensitive part which we good-naturedly name our vanity as of a thing small and of no account but which is to the majority really the heart's core of us she sat down covering her face with her hands because of the blood that flamed and burnt in her cheeks and the bitterness of the tears in her eyes meanwhile lucilla and margaret went home lucilla's residence was in a big model dwelling-house here she had taken a small flat and lived alone doing the little household work herself and valuing the lonely evenings for their opportunity of study the rooms were scrupulously neat and so plainly furnished that one could hardly apply the word furniture with its middle-class suggestion of heavy expenditure and horrible worry to the necessary appliances for daily life prettily decorated by her own hands which made up the list of her belongings lucilla was gifted with the sense of orderliness of womanly instinct in the details of life she now moved about deftly preparing her evening meal and that being over and the traces of it cleared away she lit her lamp and sat down first to rest and then to work to rest with lucilla was to dream she sat quite still the light from the lamp falling on some of the ruffled hairs of her cloudy locks and leaving her face with its small and rather grave features in shadow the dreams of lucilla were not the ordinary day-dreams she was not dreaming of a house a husband and her own devotion to them it may be that a new age has left the uniform features of that old dream somewhat disturbed lucilla never had pictured herself as the domestic companion of an unbroken and impossible happiness in all her dreaming she went forward with a restless circle of fellow-workers and waged warfare against a shameless world very probably her own personality was rather severely and coldly outlined to her imagination and her personal expectation meagre but her rejection of the commonplace idea of happiness and the conventional idea of self-immolation had a deeper root in her grey eyes was a hint of storm and revolt tinctured a good deal of her thinking for she had not in the least an acquiescent spirit but questioned everything and took little for granted it was this which gave the quality to her eyes which honora had noticed a quality not always agreeable but if she had a rather strong critical faculty she possessed at the centre of her being a white heat of capacity for self-devotion a fire-spot of passion in her heart 
this force of emotional capacity was however usually restrained she did not exhibit it in her ordinary bearing a sense of measure of the orderliness to which reference has already been made was intimately interfused through every habit of her life the hour being over she changed her seat for one uncompromisingly stiff and drew up to the table and her books the glare of the lamp revealed all that was spare and severe in her features the short shrift of her habit with hypocrisies and shams and also a very rare quality of intellectuality in the brow it also threw flickering shadows on the walls and ceiling and made the one luxurious corner of the room glad with bright beams that was the corner of the books in their gilt and coloured bindings hardly twenty minutes had passed when a step was heard mounting the stair lucilla looked up her pen suspended in her hand and listened the step was a tolerably solid one but it was too irregular for a man's for a perceptible second a colour and light as of wild expectation had flashed into her face it died out again at the first volatile feminine trip of the advancing feet they paused at her door and a knock came lucilla opening found honora kemble standing outside honora had changed from the brilliant figure who had startled the rector into a latin compliment a hard day's work left her sometimes indifferent to details in her dress and hair and at this moment she was breathless with running after lucilla besides which her face had the first timid doubtful look that had ever changed it lucilla upon seeing her had been unable to control the faint flash of sarcasm in her eyes and even an involuntary contraction of the lips in a whimsical grimace whereat all the superior person in honora gave way within her and the pent-up misery of weeks found natural vent she shrank back and two tears very unpremeditated and sudden rolled down her cheeks lucilla closed the door and looking paler than usual drew the head-mistress to a chair what is it said she i heard every word that you said of me in the class-room returned honora with desperate honesty lucilla coloured but made no attempt to apologise honora thought however that the grey eyes had a less judicial look and did not hold her at a distance on points of sarcasm evidently in your opinion i have not been doing my duty she continued scrupulously returned lucilla the dry tone of the praise was worse than a rebuke of what then do you accuse me i have not accused you one always commends perfect behaviour returned lucilla the pressure of life was being applied rather heavily to the unfortunate honora for the time being but it was easier to accept the screw from a stranger and from one of her own sex than it had been to take it in her own home from leslie i entreat you to be open with me as open to me as you were to miss henderson in the class-room said she with an earnest and notable effort lucilla put her hand to her cheek with a shy air scarcely anything is so useless as perfect behaviour she said do help me 
murmured honora now on the tiptoe for a moral discovery i have been so very lonely lately ah the exclamation was soft and revealed quite a new side to lucilla's character but if i help you it will be with truth oh of course returned honora drearily and with disturbing memories of mr leslie littleton i neither expect nor wish for anything else you see what humanity wants is humanness however faulty am i not human on stilts indeed you are mistaken or perhaps it is because i dislike my work indeed you are mistaken there i never saw anybody who enjoyed the work so much honora heard with surprise but with conviction she did like the work what you hate is our common element you try to separate yourself from it by being superior and in that way of course you lose your chances honora inwardly felt there was justification for the assumption on her mother's side she was entitled to a notice in the collateral branches of the peerage and her father's father was enrolled amongst the landed gentry but she said nothing there are vulgarities to which we give proud hospitality in our heart of hearts and would not for the world thrust out in the nakedness of speech and of course the common element resents fastidious treatment i do not think i have intended anything of the kind said honora cautiously but i have felt lonely because you will not sit in the common boat what you yearn for is distinction difference your kind retaliates by leaving you out of the calculation perhaps you do not understand said honora timidly and still uncertain of the quality of mind to which her words were uttered that i had not expected to have to work not in this way not for my living the rather disdainful and severe little profile of lucilla did not melt at this confidence oh said she is that your trouble honora looked rather than spoke her inquiry you go about as though you were under a cloud you know do i margaret henderson has made all the excuses for you she could because she was convinced you were in trouble honora started colouring angrily to be excused by margaret henderson was indeed bitter and because of her surmise she has been doing a portion of your work during the whole of this term margaret is an exceedingly warm-hearted girl oh said honora dizzily it will not do to speak to her about it as she has rather a sensitive delicate nature and hates to be found out in her good works am i the recipient of good works but i should put it right if i were you she has been taking up a duty that really belongs to you and she is already overburdened with her own it shall be put right agonized pride smarted in honora's eyes and cheeks and if i were you i would not lose flory what is it worth to the world if a man save his own soul and lose his neighbours it shall be put right reiterated honora with scarlet cheeks as to your misfortune we all share that and most of us call it our pride and our privilege to work yes give a thing a different name and it alters its complexion shakespeare was wrong when he said that about the rose i believe 
i like the work said honora now convinced through the mere process of expression that this was the case but it is not the career i would have chosen that experience is as common as death perhaps it is for my part i deliberately choose the common experience do you mean you do not aspire a smile lightened the whole of lucilla's face i have my aspirations she said i have been very ambitious said honora with scant comprehension anybody can run up into a long weed retorted lucilla oh what do you mean that your ambition is trashy honora accepted the criticism in silence she had the kind of noble pride which can take an adverse judgment without argument lucilla knew nothing about her of course but there was an unhesitating decision in her verdict which indicated keen insight moreover under the storms and stress of the last months the wholesale crowding of experience into a small space the memory of the greek myth project ran already like the tinkle of a dying brook under lucilla's words it ceased tell me about your ambition said she there was unconscious flattery in the stress on the pronoun but it sprang from genuine feeling honora loved the girl lucilla hesitated all her face deepened and at the moment there was a slight unconscious deviation of the steady grey eyes towards a particular spot in the room honora followed the glance which had been as involuntary as the movement of a needle to the magnet her eyes alighted with lucilla's on the portrait of a man there is always a man in the case thought she discontentedly lucilla seemed by no means in a hurry to disclose the nature of her aspirations and a silence ensued during which she sat with downcast lashes and reticent lips while honora stared gloomily at the portrait lucilla's heart to tell the truth was beating rather rapidly whenever the thought of the subject of that portrait entered her mind she was arrested somewhere in her universe a great note sounded above the portrait was a second object the sight of which conveyed a shock to honora this was a crucifix it was not of very handsome or expensive material and had probably been cheaply purchased in some foreign town but it was realistic and had the artistic beauty which was first thrown into the subject by early devoutness and which has lingered in the majesty of association above it on a scroll were the words ecce homo beneath it an inscription this have i done for thee what hast thou done for me in addition to the sacredness of the common association the figure was fraught to honora's mind with a particular burden of memory the outstretched arms and drooping head thus elevated in the corner of the girl's bare room affected her as a visible protest a silent command intensified by reproach stealthily into the little chamber seemed to creep the familiar fragrance of her father's saint-like nature a keen reminder of humble sacrifice how was it that the rejected and scorned idea that exploded notion of bygone generations had met her here again in these new surroundings and in close proximity to this modern-minded girl 
honora's gloomy stare changed gradually into a distinct frown and then her eyes slid from the crucifix and fastened on the portrait below while looking at one face the eye of her mind saw another she too possessed a portrait and at this moment she had visions of the picture of leslie littleton lying face downwards in the drawer of her bureau at home and locked up in disgrace then since no answer to her question appeared to be forthcoming and since this recollection of leslie was exceedingly dispiriting she rose to shake off the impression and walked up to the picture and looked at it she found the face remarkable she thought it must be the head of a notable of some kind the picture was almost in profile the lines of the head were very free and generous there was a fine intellectuality in the brow the nose was strong and dogged and the lower part of the face gave a particular impression of force while the eyes and brows threw out an unexpected suggestion of sensitiveness and idealism it was the head of a resolute fighter virile powerful yet the whole effect was of a deep humanness and the general expression quiet and kindly taken altogether the head in its rough strength its agile and vigorous pose its living modernity was an extraordinary contrast in significance to the fainting figure above it lucilla intensely conscious of her movements remained on the sofa she felt like a child playing the game of now it burns now it is cold and having every consciousness of where the secret lies hidden who is this asked honora that returned lucilla rising and walking after her just to gain time she knew not for what that is the portrait of one of the leaders of modern thought she spoke as though the fact were known to fame honora who habitually disliked to acknowledge ignorance did not do so now she turned away and still uneasily conscious of her own particular portrait at home fallen like dagon in the house of the gods began to draw on her gloves i wish she began well what asked lucilla that we could do without men altogether the last word was emphatic and she was busy now with the whole fourteen buttons it would be an immense simplification of life if that is desirable returned lucilla the old fathers said something of the kind concerning that fair evil woman cowards said honora they made her the scapegoat of their own vileness honora naturally felt bitter against the fathers possibly we need not precipitate ourselves into the same error i prefer to think out the problem fairly but the mention of the fathers had drawn honora's attention again to the crucifix half fearful of giving offence or of showing indelicate curiosity she pointed to it timidly i am surprised to see that here said she slowly lucilla looked at it reverently it is the idea which of all others i desire to keep present with me said she quietly behold the man yes said honora with increasing interest the figure stands for humanity in its majesty and suffering it stands to me for all that accumulated experience so hardly won to which i was born the fortunate heir but to which when i was so born i had added nothing i am afraid i do not understand it sounds rather mystical to me honora tooted her tongue not to speak coldly she was too sincerely desirous to win lucilla's friendship and to atone for her own mistakes to permit the rise of antagonism now do you not 
i am one of those who count myself in the foremost ranks of time that is very beautiful but behind me through the long ages what agony and struggle to acquire the accumulated knowledge and power which makes life full of lovely and dignified possibilities history is a very living page to me can i accept the inheritance so won for me lightly she passed her finger with a kind of solemn tenderness over the embossed words this i have done for thee what hast thou done for me and if she continued gently such agony and struggle lie behind what agony and struggle are with us still go down any street of the less fashionable resorts of london and see if you find no reflection from that broken form in the foremost ranks of time it is because of the immensity of the inheritance we have received that the measure of our responsibility and of the claim laid upon us is so great honora closed her eyes giddily she was perfectly silent for several moments in the foremost ranks of time that was her favourite conception of herself but what a distance between her reading of the position and lucilla's i wish i knew where you get your thoughts your way of looking at things said she when she was able to speak lucilla did not answer for a moment some come to it of themselves said she softly and evasively but honora noticed that involuntarily she had stretched out her fine little finger again was passing it slowly thoughtfully round the rim of the portrait i have felt myself at fault about things lately said honora humbly lucilla surveyed the handsome face softened to unusual beauty by this mood she changed her tone to a half caressing gaiety it would be pleasant wouldn't it if we had a sort of bradshaw's guide to life said she coming a little nearer i'm afraid there isn't such a thing but will you come with me one evening where you can hear some new things for yourself of course i will come said honora and she stooped to kiss lucilla's cheek End of chapter six